The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we talk with Nate Larson, OPDD alumni and industrial designer at Danson's. We talked about the transition from college to the workforce and his day-to-day of creating new products. This is Chase, and joining me today is one more of our alumni from the OPDD program, uh, Nate Larson, class of 2019, uh, product designer, well, industrial designer for Danson's. Um, thanks for joining me. It's good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Chase. Yeah, thanks for taking some time today. Um, you know, like I told you off air, we're doing some of these just as, as check-ins to see how our alumni are doing. It's, it's been a year since you've been out in industry. Has it been a year that you've been working for Danson's longer, right? Yeah, been a little, uh, little longer, closer to a year and a half. Um, started uh, working for Danson's the last semester of my senior year. So, yeah, had a couple of months there before I graduated. So. Yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how that came about and how that transition was for you? Because yeah, you were working for them while finishing up your degree. What was that experience like for you? You know, it was uh, it was really awesome. Uh, they um, I was introduced to Bobby through um, yeah he had sent a um, an internship opportunity through the program, and so kind of got your email and um, anyways it was actually the internship opportunity they were offering was like a product line development position. And so I was in this position where, you know, I needed another internship, had a couple of uh, options on the table, was reaching out to some other companies. Uh, but when I saw um, Bobby's kind of uh, offer come through and did a little research on uh, the company that I'd be working for, seemed to be a good fit, um, especially, I mean, at the moment, my mindset was, look, I, I want to get exposed to the fastest um, pace environment in product design. As far as weighing the options of working for maybe a smaller company or a larger company, my idea would be, hey, look, if you can get into an industry, into an environment where you're making products for large customers, it would, you know, be more beneficial. And so when that came through, saw the opportunity, even though it was in product develop, uh, product line management, I wasn't like too jazzed about that, but it was as far as the status of the company, this would be like an awesome opportunity, lots of great exposure. So I just kind of said, yes, fulfill, you know, filled out the application, sent it his way. And we were able to work out an internship working remotely. Um, the second thing that was great about um, what I was able to work out with Bobby and Dan since here was the ability to work into a full-time role. I know a lot of, um, a lot of headache goes into doing an internship for a company and at the end of it, doing a lot of great work, solving a lot of problems, but then not being able to transition into a job, and it's kind of the pits. So right up front, I was 
um, pretty straightforward and said, hey, look, if I'm going to come on, do work, first of all, um, I need to have the surety that's going to lead into a full-time position. And the assurance was there on um, their end, um, especially after a couple of weeks of working for them. And, uh, and it worked out. So, I mean, it was great. And I mean, quickly in the first couple of weeks of working for Danson's and Bobby, it transitioned into this, you know, they sent some, they were starting, there was, um, you know, they're talking about starting up this hunting company and they knew I was in the outdoor design program, even though I was doing some uh, product line stuff and they sent me some problems. They said, Hey, look, here's some designs that we're looking at doing. Can you sketch something up, send something our way? And I quickly jumped on it. Um, you know, sketched up what I thought would be some good solutions to some of the problems and the designs they were asking for and sent them their way. And uh, within a week or two, transitioned fully into industrial design for the stuff that I was really passionate about, which was kind of nice to see that on their end, they were really able to recognize maybe some of my strong suits where I was a little more versed and knowledgeable and kind of get me into that track so I could be a better benefit to the company. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great lesson right off the bat, right? Is like when you're being interviewed by a company, you're also interviewing them and in that internship process too, that's, you know, in a lot of ways you should be interviewing them to see if, Oh, is this a good fit for me? Like, is this company a good fit match for me? Um, and so it was good that you were able to, to kind of, get an idea of who the company or like what the company is, who the people are that are involved with it and, and realize that they're invested in you and they want to see you succeed and, and provide a path for you to succeed. So that, that doesn't always happen. So it's, it's good that you were able to find something uh, where, where that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, Danson's in general, for those who, who aren't familiar with the, the company, there's a lot of brands under that umbrella uh, what are some of the brands that, that people might know? And, and then what are you working on currently? Wh- which one of those brands? Yeah, so, um, um, yeah, just like you said, Danson's, um, there's a couple of brands under Danson's. Um, they do um, primarily products in the outdoor grilling space. So they do pit boss grills, uh, pellet smokers, um, and they, uh, you know, a variety of, of grills in that industry. Then they do Louisiana grills, which is, kind of more of the their higher end um, comped grill and pellet smoker. And then they do country smokers and, uh, and then they do Sherlock safes, which is obviously a safe company in the hook and bullet realm. And then they do um, Tyson's, which is their uh, uh, hunting company. And um, yeah, they do um, start out with apparel and kind of uh, hunting apparel equipment and kind of transitioning into a couple other market segments kind of down the road with that brand as well. So my role here is um, came on um, kind of like we talked about designing some of the preliminary equipment for the hunting brand Tysons. Um And then since I've been here, um, I've had more time since that's kind of a new company and it's kind of just getting its roots and starting to grow. I've been able to work with the other designers um, and the other team members here working on Pit Boss uh, grills, which is fun because it's a product that is seen in Walmart and um, Lowe's. And so it's, it's awesome to see kind of the timetables and the design framework around working for some of these larger companies um, to supply product. And then at the same time, you know, see the development run through. Um, and it's the same thing with Louisiana Grills, being able to work on some projects with LG. Um, and then at the same time, being able to touch on products for Sherlock Safes. 
So it's kind of where, you know, we're a team of uh, multiple designers uh, that work closely with the developers. And we all kind of work together to make sure all the products come to life for the various brands. Right. Oh, that's awesome. It, it really seems like you're able to touch a lot of different products in a short amount of time and get that, those reps like you were talking about, right? Just being able to see a lot of different product, work on a lot of dis- different designs. Um, I, do you feel like you're getting that kind of experience, you know, being able to see so many different types of products? Oh yeah, it's it's you know it is um it, it is so exciting honestly because coming in I thought man my my passion is for soft goods like bag development tents like camping like this is my world this is where I'm like so versed and then quickly I was put into a world of hard goods I mean everything about Pit Boss Louisiana Grills Sherlock Safes Country Smokers it's all hard goods so it's all SolidWorks like mm. it's key shot renders you know and a very fast-paced environment where there's a request from a customer to look at a, you know a product designer concept and to bring that alive digitally through SolidWorks CAD program and then into key shot and to supply that you know quickly to get visuals with upper management and customers is just it's so much more effective on the hard goods side because it can be so close to reality. It can be reality. It can be a functional product right in front of you. Whereas I feel like a lot of times in the soft good world where you're drawing everything in flat, um, it takes a couple of iterations just because it's so much more difficult to bring a product to life in a soft good 3D world. So. Right. You know, we're starting to see some new tools that I, I'm curious if you've dabbled in a little bit, you know, uh, tools like Clo or Browseware for the apparel side that are kind of 3D apparel rendering tools that it, you're right, though, that the textile based, you know, soft goods apparel, that's been slower to adopt 3D, but it seems like that's coming. So, you know, you definitely see the programs. Oh, as far as designing apparel, I haven't done any apparel for Tsons. Um, my main play has been in um, like gear, soft good gear. So technical right. duffel bags, packs, tents, and you can get close with some of the uh, kind of the functions and the geometric shapes in the solid programs. And with texturing, you can kind of get a, like a pretty close um, kind of idea of what the product would be. But ultimately I found for um, efficient design and then also um, effective communication overseas with China, and speed, and as far as clarifying exactly what needs to take place with that design, that the most effective way I found is um, an initial tech pack flat drawing aided by hand sketching with multiple callouts and just pictures of similar products that have the same technology or principle and design element and sharing a lot of pictures, a lot of hand-drawn sketches to clarify is, I mean, you know, it seems to be the most effective route that I've found. Right. Kind of yeah. Well, I, just the work that you're doing, I think really hits home this idea that as a designer, you have to learn how to communicate in a lot of different ways, right? Uh, especially in, in the middle of a pandemic like we are right now, people are communicating a lot more over Zoom, a lot more over email, um, over text, over different you know messaging platforms. Um, designers, you know, have always needed to be able to communicate, you know, whether it's sketching, digital designs, 3D, it's the job of a designer to like take these great ideas in your head, right. And communicate them to a variety of, of people, right. Who are, 
who like take in information differently. It's a huge responsibility. Are you starting to see more of that in, in the role that you're in where you have to learn all of these different tools because you have different, um, different clients that respond to designs differently or, or how those designs are communicated? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, exactly. Like you said, I'm, I mean, learning a lot as far as, yeah, what communication is effective with that certain manufacturer, whoever's making product, um, as well as learning just, and this is one of the things I wish I would have picked up on earlier is like clear email communication as far as, you know, a lot of times, especially developing overseas, you create this beautiful sentence and it's this, you know, blocked paragraph that has everything descripted out perfectly. And, you know, if, if, it'll come back and not even be in the same like world as what you described. Whereas if you do like one point, you know, a number one with a circle that says, you know, bolded question number one, what do you want here? <laughs> you know, yeah. and number two or whatever, this should be black, like black underlined, whatever, black and a picture of a black, whatever it is, like that is, the, is just effective, simple. I mean, little things like that, obviously, for effective communication. But at the same time, yes, like we're talking about usually hard good facilities, um, manufacturers to be able to send them over clear, um, clean renders as close as possible to the product is huge. And then on the soft good side, sketches, pictures, yeah. You can yep. never have too many call outs. Yep, never too many call outs. You can never be more clear. Never too many angles. Yeah. Never too many. You can, you can talk too much. Your sentences can be too right. long. You right. can't say way too much. Um, so clear communication, emails and yeah, call us for sure. That's great. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that's, it's hard to teach that. I think there's ways that you can, like you can have a business communications class, but it's hard to replicate that unless you are communicating with a factory, right? With a real person. It, it's hard when it's your teacher who's, you know, grading your, the, the way you're sending an email. I, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of have to dive into the deep end a little bit um, to experience some of that to a degree. But um, what, what is your day-to-day like? It sounds like you're working on so many different types of products for a few different brands and interfacing with a lot of different people and teams. Um, can you give me an idea of like what your day-to-day is like as an industrial designer? Yeah, so it kind of, uh, um, so I would say right now my primary role and responsibility here is managing the conception of these original products for the Tsons brand. So it's a lot of, and what's kind of interesting about this versus how my day functions with the other brands like Pit Boss and Louisiana Grills is that the products that I'm developing are ground up. We're not playing off of a previous iteration or year. Um, they're all brand new. And so the samples come back a little rougher. And so it's um, looking at definitely the samples, how they come back, changing iterations, making sure that products are online, um, you know, to hit their certain season dates and release times. So it's managing that, designing that. Um, but at the same time, since it's a new brand, we're not, you know, releasing a ton of products. So I do have time where it kind of blends over into the other brands. So when I've kind of cleared up my plate of all the Tyson stuff that needs to happen during the day, that's when I kind of jump on with the other team members here and they, you know, they send stuff my way to 
kind of to pound out and to kind of take care of. So, well, and depending on the the season, right, or the time of year, you're probably looking at okay, new concept generation. Uh, or, you know, depending on wh- when it is in the year, you could be, you know, making notes on a sample that came back. It, I guess it probably depends, right, on on yep. where, where in the season that we fall, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. And then you have that. Um, and then at the same time, um, the other kind of ebb and flow process you get is sending off a round of samples and then having that, you know, 30 to 60 day revision period overseas to where, that time period is kind of, you're left with this gap of, you've got 10 products over getting worked on, but you're waiting for it to come back. So that time is all filled with kind of Pit Boss and LG and Sherlock. Right. Is the, I feel like it as a designer, you're constantly thinking, well, two years ahead, one year ahead, you're, you're juggling multiple seasons. Well, I guess more in apparel, it's seasons, right? But in your terms, are you thinking in, in terms of, like multiple years ahead, you know, you've got different timelines. How have you been able to manage, manage that? Um, that? That's a hard thing to replicate in a, in a school setting. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been, um, it's been really, I guess, beneficial because I get to see a really experienced uh, team of developers that have years of experience working for, you know, other companies. Probably the most beneficial thing looking at calendars, timelines, kind of seasons, dates, is to look at these experienced designers and developers and to be able to see how they organize their schedules and their timeframes. And, you know, they've been doing it for so long, it's great to, you know, have the reassurance that I'm not just, and and I take it as whenever I would design in school, it would be if I were to design this product and I were to launch it, how would I organize? And I'm kind of, you know, going off of what we're learning in class and then, It's almost like, yeah, you know, that's what it is, but every product's different. So I'm kind of just guesstimating at what it would be. But to see an experienced team come together and say, this is what it is. After years and years, we know this product's going to take this long. If it's this type of product, it's going to be this long, you know, and to be able to see how they lay out their calendars and the development timeline has been, yeah, invaluable. Right. I, one of the things that I've talked to with a few that the alumni that we've, we've had these conversations with is how do you balance, um, you know, coming into a company, whether it's as an intern or a full-time hire, like how do you come in, like understanding your worth, coming in confident, but not overconfident, right? Because that's really off-putting if you come in saying that, you know, you know, I went through this program and I know, I know all these things and I've got all these skills. Um, how do you come in confident, but not overconfident, um, but also humble enough to, to take feedback and, and just be a sponge, um, but at the same time, not let yourself, um, you know, get, get, I guess, pushed around too much. Like you, you, you have an impact. I want, you know, we want students to not overestimate their impact on a company. Like as a new designer, you can have a lot of impact and you have a lot of value. Um, but you also want to come in understanding where you fit within the larger organization. So have you had any issues with that? Have you seen that as, as something that you've had to, to fight through or, or learn how to, how to do yourself? Um, absolutely. I like totally get it. Um, Cause you don't, yeah, you want to come in and it's, and especially where you're designing stuff that you feel like, you know, you have this feeling of everything you've designed is like a direct reflection of who you are as like a being. 
it's like, man, your personal value is, you know, who I am is built into this product. And so it's like, yeah, it's hard because you don't want to say, Hey, I'm a new designer. Like what I like, I can design something, but it might not be worth like jack crap. So here it is like whatever you want. And it's this, you know, and it's honestly, it's this kind of sketchy territory of saying, okay, I'm going to separate myself from my product and my passion for this product and just say, what do you want? What color does it need to be? And it's this route of, I'm going to design whatever my developers are asking me or upper management is going to ask me to do and separate myself and my emotion from that product. And you can make something awesome. And if it gets rejected, they don't like it. You don't care because it's not your baby, you know? And at the same time, you have the other world where it's everything you design, you know, has everything about you in that product. And if that thing gets shot down, it completely tears you down, right, emotionally. And all of a sudden, your self-value goes, you know, down the tube and you can't design jack crap or get motivated about designing anything. So it's like finding this middle balance of understanding that you have to put who you are as a designer into that product. And you have to be confident enough by saying, you know, when you do, honestly, it's when you sell it, when, when you design your product and you take it to upper management, you have to give them reasons for why it's great and why it's whatever. And at the same time, you have to know, like you've worked with team members in there, you know, here in the office. So for me, when I take a product up, you know, to summarize, it's, okay, here's the product that I've designed with Chris or with, you know, I named the team members that helped me in that process. It builds everyone up and it shows that there was a collective, um, I guess, there's collective resources pulled from multiple people into that product that kind of vets it, that kind of takes the pressure off of it being yours. Mm, yeah. And it's the teams, you know, whereas if you're working in this silo and it's just you presenting products, it's all on you. And so in the design process of working, you can kind of jump over some of these hurdles that keep you from really going full on on a product and uh, kind of present something that you and the team kind of feels, you know, good about. Um, the second kind of maybe better to address your first question is um, when you come into a, an environment, how is it that you like don't oversell yourself? Right. So, and I was worried about this and I think you see a lot of this in imposter syndrome, right? Like here I am working. I've said I can do all this stuff. Holy crap. I don't even know if I can do all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Communication is just the easiest way about it. It's, Hey, can you design this? You say for me, I feel like at, especially in a student stage, a student stage, being a yes man is the quickest way um, to move, I guess, into a good position, to get a good internship, to get noticed. If somebody asks you to do something, you say yes. And right after you say, yes, I can do that, you explain exactly. These are some of the products that I've done in the past. This is what it's going to look like. Oh, I've never done a shoe, but I can do a shoe, but I've never done one. But I'm going to show you here, like, I would love to do it. I want the opportunity to learn to do it. And if there's something that I'm missing, who in the company can I talk to that's done shoes before or who's done this that I can learn from? I understand they're busy, but I want to be the next best shoe guy here. Like, so how can I do that? Yes, I'm going to do it. Just kind of reaching out, but being clear that if it's something new kind of out of your realm, that you're going to give it your best shot and that you're confident that you can do a good job and uh, kind of just go out and make it happen. Right. Because it seems like there can be issues on both sides. We, you know, there, I think there's plenty of designers who sell themselves too short, you know, and, and don't understand their value. And then you have others who are a little too overconfident um, and maybe overestimate their abilities. So finding a way to, to straddle that line is, is probably easier said than done. But but that, that's really helpful to, to hear your perspective on that. Um, 
you, you know, you mentioned w- wanting to show a little bit of, of some of the work that you do on a day-to-day basis. And I'd, I'd love to see some of that. Do you mind walking through some of your designs? Um, I think, I think it's important. You know, we, I've talked with some of the other uh, alumni about this, but a, a great employee is the one that has like really good technical skills and, and also has like the intangibles, like, is a good person to work with, has a good personality, like someone that someone else wants to be around. Um, and I want to talk about that, but if you can talk through some of the skills, the technical skills that, that you've found help have helped you to be successful in this position, that, that'd be great. Um, this was one of the first projects that I picked up still as an intern uh, when I was asked to design some packs. And um, at this time I had not, and the, Again, I was going into my last semester uh, um, in the program, and I had not done really any hand sketching. Um, back kind of, yeah, when I was there, there really there wasn't a sketching program. And so I had this ability, or I felt like I could envision the product in my mind, um, but to get on Adobe Illustrator just wasn't like, to see it in the flat, it was so hard for me to put it and really bring it to life in Illustrator. So, you know, I'd heard about the iPad had just come out for, you know, the new like Gen 6 iPad came out and it was $250 from Walmart. And I'd heard about, you know, sketching programs with Sketchbook and Procreate and whatnot. And I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna get in and start drawing. So I went out, spent 250 bucks on the iPad, purchased a hundred bucks for the pencil. And uh, it was probably the best investment I made um, as a product designer going through school at that time. So I was able to lit, sit down and I just started sketching bags from view side views, pulling in a lot of stuff. And, uh, when they asked me to do, um, you know, they came and they asked for a variety of products and concepts. I decided I was going to sketch them all. And it was some long days and the program with you got on your guys's end. It was awesome because we're working on our kind of our senior products, um, showcase stuff. And as a to go to Andrea and she was able to pass off on me doing my internship work as my senior product stuff. The amount of time I was putting into it was, wasn't going to work out and you know, producing another product. And so anyway, it was just awesome on your guys' end to make it happen because I was able to invest the time to develop a skill set that aided me um, dramatically um, in the industry for sure. And so this is a tech pack I did for this pack and everything in the flats um, and all of the uh, kind of the ortho um, views are all uh, hand sketched and it was um, an immense amount of work but I felt like at the end of this um, you know tech back it was uh, it was more beneficial and I'll show you another uh, flat drawing that I did um, I sent this one off and the first sample we got back was almost identical to this pack mm. And this was the ability to send this um, front sketch, but also to be able to show very clearly in an orthographic view kind of what it needs to be without having to call out all the kind of the technicalities of what we write, buckle it. It clearly said, this is, you know, this is what it is, the pocket, blah, blah, blah. And I'm dead serious. It came back like this image, almost identical to this. Wow. It was pretty incredible. And so that alone eliminated so much and it told me early on hey if I send a view like this um 
you know, sketch it in orthographic view, I mean, you're probably going to get a pretty good product back. Mm. And then at the same time, I just found it easier to hand sketch it, especially in where you can set symmetry up in these drawing apps to where it just quickly, I mean, in a matter of minutes, um, you can have something and you can save it and you can save it as a layer or whatever and retrace it, reuse it, erase it, and you can produce and edit stuff so much quicker, I found, sketching than you could in um, Illustrator. The problem is it's not um, coloring up stuff is a little bit harder because you don't have the vector work, so dropping in and adding new color is a little more difficult. But as far as clarity of design of showing what the pack features are going to be, right, um, it just came so much quicker. So. And then added up all of the stuff and I did more detailed call outs to where it has, you know, all the component build that you want, all the sides, all, all that jazz. And, you know, little stuff here to where I didn't want to have to redraw my, whatever this clip system was when I was sketching it out. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know what the manufacturer had. I just knew it was going to be a clip system. It was really easy to look and see what they provided, grab what they already had at the factory and just pull in, like done, send it off. So that aspect of being able to hand sketch was um, tremendously beneficial. Um, you could erase front panels and show, you know, front views with kind of what the pocket layout would be. So, I mean, that was really fun. And then there's my color up. And this was kind of done on the drawing app. It, I mean, it's not a work of art. It's not as pretty. Um, but the more tech packs I've sent overseas in the soft good, I've realized it's not about how pretty it is and how amazing it looks, um, but it's how well does it communicate the idea of the product. And right. then all the technicality will come out in the call outs. Totally. Yeah. And, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit too, because sketching um, in, in the program, you're right. When, when you went through, there wasn't really a sketching class. Um, that, that's something that's been added. And it's one of the first classes that a student takes now, right, in the freshman year. Um, and it's that foundation that we want stu students to build on is that idea of getting ideas um, out onto, onto paper or digitally like, as quickly as possible. Um, and sketching is still the tried and true way of, of doing that in a lot of ways. Um, you know, how, how important is it um, to you, uh, to, to have this, um, I guess just have the self-discipline enough to teach yourself a new skill, right? You graduate and there's always going to be a new piece of software. Like there's always going to be something new that comes along and you're not going to have school to say, Hey, you should learn this thing. Right. And, and you went above and beyond certainly to teach yourself how to sketch, right? You didn't have to do that, but you recognized it as something that was going to be a really powerful tool for you. Um, you know, how important is it to um, just have that hunger to continue to learn new skills, new tools, new technologies, because there's always going to be something new, new that comes out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's vital. And I think it's, I mean, it's, I would say without that, I really don't know how, um, how you would really succeed in any role in design and development. Mm -hmm. Because every day, I mean, literally almost every day there's something new you're going to have to learn or something, you know? So yeah, especially, I mean, when it comes to new programs, um, just to be able to, you know, to have the discipline to know that you could learn something new and very quickly. I think honestly, you look at, um, when you think about learning something that you've never done, like for me, sketching for a long time was this like unattainable thing where I'd watch these, guys on YouTube and then within a matter of lines, they'd have like this beautiful product. And um, I thought, man, that's what I've got to be. And like, I'm still not there. 
But at the same time, I've noticed my sketching evolved to my own personal style. That's fun for me and enjoyable. And so it's, it was really exciting to see just in, I would dedicate, I, I said, look, before I go to school, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do one hour of sketching and I'm just going to draw products and I'm going to cheat. I'm going to turn on stroke. I'm going to let like smooth out that line, make it look pretty. I'm going to, I'm going to trace everything and I'm just going to learn how to, you know, replicate a product on paper. And eventually I started turning off, you know, turning down the strokes and, um, getting more of like a clean hand line uh, drawn on, uh, you know, digitally and then started getting more into paper. Um, but just spending an hour a day, it's, it's all I did. It really wasn't a lot. But then really what pushed over the edge was when I had the job and there was a deadline and I needed to draw 15 soft good products by the end of the week. That's when you got good really fast. Yeah. yeah. have to draw a buckle, you know, a hundred times, right? Because at the same, and this is what's great. Honestly, so right now I know you don't have to draw a buckle 100 times. You can draw it once and you can save it and you can put it wherever you want when you're done. But at the time, I was like, oh man, like I honestly didn't know. <laughs> like, so I would redraw this buckle for every single bag and now it's like second nature to be able to draw a, you know, a buckle or a clamp or whatever. It just doesn't take much thought. So there's almost some value in jumping into something um, without knowing all the tips and secrets, maybe don't go to YouTube and do that. Like um, sketching cheats, just go and like draw the bag a hundred times. If you're in a position where you have to make something instead of copying and pasting it, like draw it again or retrace it again, do whatever you have to do to get the repetition because you put it in and you'll get better. And that's how it is with everything. It's if you're learning a new program, you have to spend time in it. That's all it is. It's the amount of time that you're doing it. You're never going to, great at it if you don't put the time into it so it's kind of how it translated over well that that's like i mean i remember like elementary school middle school high school like oh why why can't i just use my calculator to do this thing it's like there's there's some value in learning how to do the equation right um and then eventually it becomes second nature there's there's something to that kind of like you said um yeah sorry sorry to interrupt i know you've got a couple other things that that i know you want to walk through but no no you're good so that's all kind of like I, yeah, sketching was huge. Um, I thought that was a big deal. Um, definitely saw like a shift in not only um, not only what I could do uh, for a company, but it changed my I guess my personal value that I put on myself as like a product designer. I don't know like what it was in my mind, but it was like some, and it's not true. But for me, there was something saying like, hey, yeah. Like if you're going to be an industrial designer, if you're going to be a designer, you have to be able to draw like a perfect circle or like, you know? And so, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get this so I can get this out of my head and feel confident with what I'm doing. So there's kind of like my hand drawn. I just thought it'd be interesting to show this hand drawn tech pack here. And then to show uh, one that I did in illustrator. Um, And this is more of like a lumbar pack that I did. We can tell it looks, I mean, from a sheer, just like line standpoint, it came back pretty clean. You could be pretty detailed with it. Um, but this product didn't come back half as good as my hand-drawn one, hmm. as far as close to the product it was. Um, this is actually the second iteration. And when the bag came back and wasn't as close, I ended up hand-drawing, uh, you know, an author view, a little more detailed view of what it needed to be. And it came back better after that. So, Why, why do you think the, the difference? Like, what do you think? Because you could get different angles? Or what, what do you think made the yeah. difference there yeah yeah just the, the because this is how you see product in real life yeah 
great from a manufacturing stem standpoint if you want to turn you know call out specs and features but at this point this product I mean you're giving it a general design uh, like size of what kind of the generic pieces hip belts you know top side pockets bait whatever depth needs to be but at the same time it's there's still this open gray area what the actual size is gonna be right and so for a first and second kind of iteration run like it would it's just it's hard to really see this in the flat to see what it is it's funny I mean I mind I know exactly what it is because you've been looking at it and like mulling over it for days right but to look at it on the manufacturing end it can still be difficult and so to, to supply this even though this isn't a beautiful picture this is a 10 minute quick sketch you know when they see this top strap they know it's a buckle you know mm-hmm. and could confusion because you don't have the tags coming off right yeah maybe there should have been some you know cinch tags coming off so they know if one side's bound or you know you got to think through all that but it aids dramatically in communication for sure right oh that's great but a couple other ones but yeah same thing um as it evolved they went to showing the bag kind of here's a duffel bag that we did and uh there's just one kind of ortho sketch quick and then into the flats and the technical drawings. And this one, we kind of had a little better idea on the dimension and the sizing. And so specking out how it was a little bit quicker. But again, here was a quick little deal where I wanted to show the inside out view and I didn't want to do an entire, you know, or redo the flat in the inside out view. And it was just easier to do this little chicken scratch, you know, like it's not a beautiful piece of uh, piece of art, but it was effective in communicating what right. the pocket layout was going to be. Right. But anyways, thought those would be kind of kind of fun to see um, on the uh, tent side. Here were some tents that we did, and there is a. I kind of I know I don't want to be like ragging on using um, Illustrator, but um, Illustrator was. I mean, you definitely being able to color up and to be able to edit and revise through Illustrator at times is much quicker. This tent um, went through Illustrator. Here's a little hand, a little sketch drawing that on the real detailed stuff of how you want the bar tacking and some of the stuff to be. If this wasn't out there because of this, maybe a new way of, uh, you know, attaching the uh, fly uh, to the ground and kind of integrating the stake system, like this wasn't previously done. So to be able to see it in your mind, sketch it out was huge on this one because you couldn't attach a picture to it. Right, right. This, this was a uh, kind of one that I did with Illustrator that turned out really well and uh, was fun. Uh, definitely to crank on the tent market. So, wow. That's great. And here's the same thing on like revisions. So you get the product in. Um, when you send it back, sometimes redoing it in Illustrator is again, it can be like hard on manufacturing end to keep straight what the changes actually were. Sometimes it's easier just to do this, you know, remove this, add that, you know, totally. here's this, this yeah. is wrong in the drawing of what you want it to be. So, that gives a really good, like a clear picture of like day to day, what, what you might be doing, um, in a day. Um, I I'm curious, you know, it sounds like, um, from a COVID perspective, um, I know you guys went home and, and worked remotely for a little bit. And then, you know, you know, some of you have been back in the office because it's just so hard to, to, you know, if you need to see the sample, right? Like you need, you need to be, um, you know, close to, to some of your team members to, to communicate effectively. Have you noticed a change in how you design products um, because of 
you know, some of these, these uh, global changes we're seeing? Like, do you see the kinds of products you develop being different or do you take a step back and say, well, do we need one more of those things because our consumer is maybe buying less or being a little more conscious of what they're buying? Money's tighter now with unemployment. Like, has the way you've thought about product changed through this whole situation that we're in right now? Um, you know, it's been, it's been really interesting really working for, uh, for Danson's where the vast majority of their product line is in the, you know, outdoor cook and eat industry. So with coronavirus coming in, um, we were kind of really blessed to be in a position where we're offering products, um, putting a product in, I guess, in the home where during a time where, you know, there hasn't been so many people at home wanting to cook at home ever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We offer products for that, you know, so we've been blessed really to be um, working in this way, providing products for people and seeing people enjoy, you know, grills and cooking and eating that we haven't seen before. So in that perspective, it's been, it's just been good to know that you're working for a company and designing products that people are using and that might bring kind of like joy and happiness during times that are kind of uncertain. Right. Right. And and that's the thing that it's been, you know, it's been nice as far as how we design our product. um, I don't see like a huge shift or change. Um, It's all been about providing a good product um, at the best price for some brands, high quality, um, you know, for others. So it's just the idea that um, that we've changed anything dramatically is um, probably hasn't really happened um, on our end. But at the same time, it's definitely a a, like workflow wise. uh, There has been some changes with a large majority of us working from home others in having to kind of improve communications, but we've also seen an uptick in productivity um, in some areas where people, especially in the design world, it's like sometimes an idea will come to you at eight o'clock at night to feel, you know, to have your workstation there at home, go jump on and, you know, solve a problem or design a product right there. And then it's kind of awesome, you know? And so it's kind of been able to mold around the specific strong suits of certain employees and, we see an uptick in some stuff. Uh, we've had to make an adjustment um, in other areas in order to be productive. Um, but ultimately, we're all kind of changing and adapting to make it work. Right. So, you know, you've been in this role for a year and a half. Um, you know, what what has been the biggest change? You know, obviously being from, you know, going to school and now working in a full-time career, that's obviously a big change, but were, were there any big shocks from going, um, you know, from school to this, this first, you know, real industrial design job? Were there any big shocks for you? Um, yeah, the, um, kind of the first one was probably the speed and like the pace, which is kind of what I was after, you know, which is why I wanted to come here, um, was cause I wanted to be kind of, I wanted to see what the quickest timelines were for some of these larger companies, you know, and that was the biggest thing where I look back at kind of some of the senior design projects that I did that took me, you know, three or four months to do like would literally be one day's work, you know, Yeah. (laughs) what you need to do. It's like, okay, like this should be done in a day. And a lot of it is, um, I mean, my capability coming in just wasn't there but to be able to see designers that could do it in a day and to say, how are you doing? How are you getting this sort of output? 
and to learn those tips and secrets, you know, don't draw the buckle a hundred times in a day, like draw it once, right. you know, all little things aid. It's just like little stuff you don't really pick up on. Um, for the amount of education I got, it was invaluable, but you'll, yeah, getting in the work environment internships and then your first month on the job is, yeah, it's crazy. At least, at least for me, came coming in at a time where we need to do a lot and I needed to, uh, improve my productivity dramatically. And so, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing I saw was how fast products needed to be designed. You know? Right. So maybe one last question for you and then we'll let you go. But um, what do you wish you would have known? I know we touched on a few things, you know, th- throughout our conversation. Um, anything in particular that, that you feel like you wish you would have known um, before jumping into this first, first job? Um, yeah, probably, probably the, the biggest thing, and again, I think I, this doesn't apply to everyone that's like that's uh, graduated from the program. But for me, I wish I would have known uh, Keyshot from like a program standpoint. Yeah, we use it every single day here. We're always, um, yeah, obviously always designing and presenting our product ideas, product lines to upper management, and it's used every single day. Um, right all of us. So I wish I would have known that. Um, also more of, um, I mean, we, we really hammered home a lot of good development and like base manufacturing design. I felt like for soft goods, um, a lot of great hard good, um, guys. I remember from the program as well, we're just, you know, just incredible hard good, um, designers, but at the same time, I wish I would have known on the hard good side, not only key shot that for sure, but how to, present a product, you know, how to lay it out. We did the portfolio, but we never, really, you know, I never really learned, okay, here's, you know, here's the best angle for this. Mm-hmm. This is on this, how you lay it out spacing to make it look appealing because you can put it on and present it. But even if the product looks amazing, but it's placed on the page rock, you know, it could totally yeah. everything. Yeah. So, and there's, and the funny thing is it's like, everyone has their strong suits. I would always look at other kids, you know, presentations and be like, Oh my gosh, like, that's amazing. Like that one solid bar they have across, it just makes the whole thing just great. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like some of that, it's like, I just didn't have like an eye for it. So I wish I would have probably on my end paid more attention or, you know, asked some of those, you know, students on how they were getting these awesome, you know, presentations, but that's probably the biggest thing for me. Right. Well, you know, we've taken some of that to heart and, and uh, definitely key shots being taught a lot more presentation skills. Um, this is how it goes, unfortunately, right? It's like you, you graduate as one of the Guinea pigs and uh, the, the program continues to pr- improve, you know, even though you're gone. So, um, so I, you know, I appreciate you being one of the first and uh, you know, going through that and, and representing the program so well. And, and it's fun to see you in industry. Um, you know, doing everything that you're doing. So I appreciate you just taking some time to give back and, and share with this next group that, you know, they have some of the things that you didn't have. Um, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to talk in class about some of the things that, that uh, you shared today. And, and it, it, it's, uh, it hits students differently when it, it comes from someone who's an alum of the program. So I appreciate you taking some time. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And again, if, um, if there's any specific questions or interests, yeah, they're more than welcome to reach out um, to my email. I'll give you my email and I'll, you have it also. 
Yeah. Yeah. How's, how's the best way for, if people want to learn more about Danson's, just Danson's.com, right? And then all the brands yep. listed there. Yep. Um, Danson's for sure. And then you personally, just through email. Yep. Send me an email. I will get back to you. Um, post some stuff, some of the, like, some of the design stuff I'll do on the side uh, to Instagram, but you know, send me an email if you want to see something and I'll send you. Okay. You don't have time to post anything. You're just working too hard. Well, I appreciate you taking time. It's good to see you as always. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on highlanderbag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.